Welcome to another episode of Between Two Servers. Between Two Servers is the podcast that doesn't actually take place between two servers, but talks about everything that exists between two servers. In this episode of Between Two Servers, Christine Billinger, designer and marketing manager, spoke with Sonia Kuto, managing director of Converge, about building an app and taking to market. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Sonia Kuto, managing director at Converge. And today we are going to be joined by Christine Billinger, our marketing manager, to discuss building apps. Um, People are always uh, coming to, to us and, and calling me to ask questions about uh, building uh, software apps on specifically uh, SaaS-based, so software as a service that are installed on the, the Windows Store, the Android Store, or the um, Apple Store, and they want to uh, have multiple uh, clients using uh, one app. Um, the one thing about that is that um, a very common conversation that I have is someone will call me up and be like, I have the next best million dollar idea. I'm going, I have a unicorn <laughs> product that I'm going to build. And I'm always like, and I even have friends in tech who, who, who will reach out to me that way. And I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 calm down. All right. You have an idea. Everyone has ideas, but, you know, have you considered all of these other things that you really need to get to before you start like spending money and raising money uh, to build this idea? And usually the answer I get is like, no, 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 no. I, I know it's a million dollar idea. I know it's great. I just want to start building it. So I wanted to um, have this talk today with Christine um, just to sort of go over some of the things that I think is important to consider when having that fantastic, great idea. I'm not saying that, no, you, you, you shouldn't build, but I am saying, you know, there are so many components that you need to consider before raising money, um, before even con- starting any development or spending any money on this. And there's a lot of things that you need to do. Um, Converge is uh, Converge. Converge is an expert on this, but Christine is definitely an expert in this area because Converge, we have, we house a, a number of products, SaaS-based products that are out in the market. And we've had to learn some of these things the hard way. Uh, yeah. Christine has uh, been with us for over 10 years and she has evolved with the company, pivoted with the company. She's been involved in many different projects and, and marketing uh, strategies. So welcome, Christine. <laughs> Thank you, Sonia. <laughs> um, so today we're going to like have a bunch of questions and things to go through. Before we get there, do you want to, I know I sort of introduced you, but you know, do you want to just sort of say something, say hello to whoever's joining us today? Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm here today to talk about, um, you know, what it takes to launch a soft, like a digital product, uh, you know, mostly from a marketing perspective. Um, so yes, I am the design and marketing manager at Converge. So I oversee all the different products and the custom software business and all the marketing activities involved in that. But yes, we have, uh, we have definitely had a journey with our products and, you know, always happy to share so that other people can learn. 
Awesome. Awesome. So let's just get to it. <laughs> um, so I, I do, I'm, I'm going to basically, we're, we're going to have like questions, go back and forth, discuss, follow up and things like that. So let's start with the first question. What do you think would be the most critical marketing thing to do before beginning any development of a product? Yeah. So like you said, like a lot of people like come with their great, you know, unicorn ideas and, um, the the most important thing I think before you start any development or start raising any money is that you have to do some customer development. So you have to find out who your customer is going to be. So uh, what I hear a lot from people is that oh anybody can use my product or you know everybody will use it. It's for everybody. <laughs> and okay, it might be, but you have to figure out who you're going to sell it to, because usually when a startup, you know, you have more limited budget. Um, you need to you need to use that budget wisely, right? So you need to figure out who your perfect customer is. Perfect customer is someone who buys repeatedly, you know, spreads the word of mouth about your product. Uh, you know, they might even become evangelists. Uh, so so that's who you who you really want to target. And the only way to do that. And the best way to do that is to really, you know, you have to do a lot of legwork. You have to figure out where your customers are. You have to be there. You have to talk with them. So that could mean, you know, going to trade shows, obviously not right now, but, uh, you know, you can listen in on social media groups. You know, you can reach out to contacts and interview them. You can do surveys. You really want to nail down a customer persona before you start to build your product because a lot of people will say and even if you talk to industry people about your idea they'll say oh yeah that's cool but would they actually buy it so you need to understand their problems right in order to cater a product to solve them so even if you think you know exactly what the the problem and solution is if you haven't talked to tons of people in the industry you don't know <laughs> Right. No, so right. I have a follow up to, to that. Um, you know, now with COVID and everything happening and not being able to go to trade shows, uh, do you have some suggestions for how they could talk to that potential client that they're that they want to reach out to? Yeah, totally. So you can um, you can reach out to people on social media. So you can, you know, just send direct messages to people in the industry and ask if, you know, they have a few minutes, you know, on the phone, you could chat with them. Uh, you can do surveys. So surveys, um, they are, they will cost some money. It's, it's, it's hard to get people to fill out a survey for free <laughs> these days. So, and if you just go on social media groups and, you know, say, oh, hey, you know, fill out my survey, please. People kind of get annoyed by that. So you do, you do need to, you know, go through like a service like SurveyMonkey or Google surveys to like actually get respondents. So you can, you can do that as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about competitors for a little bit. And, you know, I'm going to start with one question and I have tons of follow-up questions too, because I'm already thinking. Um, so how can you determine who is a competitor and who isn't? So who's a competitor and who isn't, right? So, so you're going to have your, your product, right? You're going to have an idea of who you're, who you're going to be selling it to. And then, you know, you're going to have a, you know, an idea of what your product does. So you're going to do research on people offering similar products, right? So they'll have like similar features. You're going to know through your um, through your interviews and your customer development, um, you know, what, what solutions are out there and what do they use, 
So that's that's going to be your your other indicator of who a competitor is. Okay. So yeah, so a competitor is is basically like someone who could you know replace your solution. Okay. Right? So so let's say I have an idea for a product and I think it's super unique, and then I find out I go and I do my work and I find out that there's a competitor like in the other side of the world. Does that mean that I should give up on my idea, or if not, how do I go about it, knowing that I do have a competitor? Yeah. So if there's a competitor, like say, like they're in the other part of the world, there's all sorts of really great tools that you can use to see how that competitor is marketing their product, who are their target audiences. Um, so you can do a competitor analysis to find out all those things. You know, maybe you know they are specifically in a certain geographic region, so you can focus on a different region. You know, there, there, it doesn't mean there's a there's a no. You know, if you're if you're going into building a product where there's already a lot of competition, um, you do have to find like an edge. You're going to have to like figure out a way. You're going to have to see exactly what everybody else is doing, and you're going to see if there is any sort of wide blue oceans there for marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, do you think there's a an advantage to having a competitor because you can go and learn from that competitor and do it better? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's called right building a better mousetrap, right? <laughs> so right, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you can see what they're doing and you can go, okay. But part of part of like what you're gonna do to market your product, you're gonna learn through your customer development. So you're gonna your customer, you're gonna know like what digital technologies that they use, how do they search for solutions? Like do are they the type of person that is gonna go to a trade magazine or are they gonna go to a Google search or are they more into like the networking and whatever their colleagues are using, that's what they're likely to use. So you're gonna in your in your customer personas, you're gonna have to figure all these things out. So so you know exactly what you need to do to reach that customer. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, so my next question is exactly what is marketing analysis? <laughs> I keep hearing about it, but do we actually know what it is? You can tell us. <laughs> well, marketing analysis is, you know, obviously like when you're, you're going into a market, right? There's a scenario there. There's a scenario about, you know, how much an industry, you know, is worth, you know, in dollar amounts, you know, what is the projection for that industry? Um, so that that's kind of the high level stuff. Um, and then you start to get a little bit into like, like I said, the target audiences. So that'll be different if it's B2B or B2C. So B2C, you're creating a, a persona for a person, whereas B2B, you're more creating a persona for a for a job role. So for example, CEOs of manufacturing companies, that kind of thing. So, and then you have to know like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm marketing uh, to the US. Okay, how many CEOs are there in the US for, for manufacturing? Okay, right. how much, you know, what is their salary, you know? So, so the marketing also starts up high at like the global, and then you're going to eventually work it down and down and down and down. And, you know, and these are the strategies that are going to inform your marketing plan. And is that something that you suggest uh, gets done way before you even start any development of an app or a software? Yeah, yeah, because this is going to be part of your business plan. And you need to have your business plan before you start to develop the product. Um, without a business plan, you know, you can't raise any money. You know, you need a solid business plan to see if your if your idea is going to work. Right. 
you're going to see the risks. What are the problems? You're going to then you're going to identify how you can deal with them. So, you know, before you spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on development, for sure, you need to figure this all out in advance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to that passionate entrepreneur who just like doesn't really is is I, 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 I'm only saying it because I see it all the time. Like they, yeah. they sort of know, but they're so like excited that they are willing to bypass all, all of yeah. that. What do you think are going to be some of the risks that they're going to encounter if they don't take the time to understand their market, their business before even they even start spending any money? Yeah. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a huge risk because, you know, you could build a product that nobody's going to buy. Yeah, that, that, is, that is the worst case scenario, right? Um, so yeah, so I would say to that person, like, you know, like, the enthusiasm is awesome, you need that, because it, it's a, you know, to get a product off the ground, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of hustle. But I would tell them to find somebody who can like mentor them, like there's all sorts of programs for entrepreneurs and, and startups, and you know, they can get into those, and they're going to get all the resources that they'll need to to get started, but yeah, they, they're going to need help. <laughs> yeah. I think that's some really great advice. I know yeah, that yeah. we did with uh, yeah. uh, our Menusano product and our field Eagle product be just because mm-hmm. we, we got excited about the ideas and, and then we, we hit a couple of walls and we had to really like see our way out of it and, and really learn yeah. as we went. So everything that we're sort of sharing today are really part of lessons learned on our side because <laughs> we've been there and we've done that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Um, so how is a SaaS marketing different from every other type of marketing? Yes. So SaaS marketing, um, so in more traditional marketing, right, if you think about like the sales funnel, right, where it's, you know, wide at the top and it narrows down. So you have like the most volume of customers like this. And then as you get towards the bottom of, you know, you have fewer customers and eventually like a certain percentage of those will become paid customers. So with traditional sales funnels, um, marketing is really only on on the very top of the funnel. And that's like the the part of the funnel that is... um, responsible for awareness so awareness of the the product right how how findable is product right and then with SaaS, you know what we've seen is that marketing is involved further and further and further along the funnel um so after the after the sale is complete you know with the SaaS product because it's a it's a subscription you need people to keep purchasing over and over and over again, right? And then you need to develop ways to uh, increase the lifetime value of that customer. So you need to have, you know, new features, you know, things that will, you know, add that they might, you know, pay a little bit more to do to, to get more from the product. So there's a whole other part that the funnel has now become like an hourglass shape. So it's like this, and then it's like this, and marketing is involved pretty much through the whole, the, the whole way. So it's getting the customer in, getting them to do their free trial or, you know, do the demo, getting them to sign up. And then we have to maintain them, keep them coming back and keep them engaged with the product. So it's, it's a, it's much more heavily marketing involved and also to um, depending on the SaaS product. So if you have like a low lifetime value, so if your product is not too expensive, then, you know, you might not be able to afford a salesperson to, it might not make sense to, to have a salesperson. So then you need like more marketing automation, right? If you have a very high sales, high sales for that, it's ringing. 
if you have a, a high sales point, really like a really high lifetime value for the customer, then you know, then you're gonna have less automation and more uh, account management and one to one mm -hmm. with like a salesperson. Okay. Yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. Um, but like when when it also comes to SaaS based and, and apps, um, there's also, you know, the subscription model, right? So do you think that creates a little bit more work because you're now having to either keep that person coming back every month and renewing or every year? What do you think are some of the challenges around that? Um, yeah, so that's definitely the goal is to to keep the keep them around um, for as long as possible. Uh, so you need to be coming up with, um, you know, in terms of product innovation is really important, right? So you need to come up with like new features, uh, you know, something that's really going to keep them engaged and coming back. Um, yeah, it's not like, you know, like in traditional marketing where, you know, once you hand off a lead to sales, it's, you know, it's okay, it's sales now, I'll just go find some more leads. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do a lot more work uh, to, to keep them evolved. So we're, we're doing all kinds of things now where, you know, you might hold, you know, more webinars, you might, there's a lot more email marketing, there's um, a lot more like retargeting to make sure that people are coming back. So it is, it is more work for sure. And you know, I, I know what you're saying, but I'm going to ask the questions just so we can get them all out there. Um, you know, when it comes to the product, if you've, you know, gone to market and you now have people subscribing, um, you, you mentioned, you know, one of the, the values is to continue building on the product and I guess adding value to the product, which in turn adds value to the client. Um, can you give us some ideas around, you know, what companies can do to continue innovating? Yeah. So the most important thing is to listen to your customers. So what they're telling you are, you know, what their needs in the market. Um, so you never want to develop something blindly. You never want to develop something just because you assume that, okay, no, that this is going to be good for them. You have to talk to your customers continuously. So within marketing, you need to create a lot of opportunities for customers to give you feedback. Um, you know, even, you know, it, you, obviously, you can call customers for and ask them too, but um, just leaving them lots of opportunities to to give you feedback mm -hmm. is, is really key. Right, right. I totally yeah. agree with that. And I mean, I know that for us, that's been one of the the best things we've done is, you know, in the in the beginning, we started building out these roadmaps for our products based on things that we thought were going to be valuable to the market. But then once we started talking to our clients, we realized some of those things were not as valuable. And when we yeah. started creating a roadmap based on what clients were actually telling us that they wanted, our products became a lot more valuable in the yeah. market. Yeah, 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 it's a really good strategy. And there's a lot of tools too that you can use like in analytics you can get from how users are using your your app. So that that will tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's a uh, now that's my question. <laughs> yeah, so you can you can use uh, certain tools that will track like how users are using the app and it's just to help to find like uh, features that they're not using. Um, so that kind of gives you a red flag that says, okay, so why isn't this feature being used? Um, you can also find like frustration points. Um, and this is really good for your, during the free trial, you know, like users are just not getting this, getting, uh, how to use the software. So, um, so those tools are, are really good to have. Like, again, yeah. it, it, it removes some of the blind spots, right. For you as a, as a product owner. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's a great idea because like I know for one of our products from Manusano, we had a, a a feature that was being used by like one person and we identified that it would be more work for us to maintain that feature versus um yeah completely eliminating it and taking it out of the software and 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 we did actually end up removing it and yeah. uh it, it, it for it. yeah no 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 nobody missed it. it yeah and that was actually just google analytics um that actually kind of tipped us off like we saw you know page volume visits you know we saw what people were using the most and then all of a sudden there was like this little two percent like like yeah. people were actually using this feature and we looked at data like over like a good three years and we're like, okay, you know what? We don't need to invest money in, in redeveloping this because no one's using it. So let's put that yeah. somewhere else. So that makes me think about a question that I had not planned for. So, <laughs> cause I know this happens a lot. So, you know, I, we all use software on a, on a day-to-day -day basis and I, I use it for, for, for my work every day. And, you know, one of the things I really dislike is when I sign up to use a piece of software and it's like, it's like learning how to, how to, how to ride a rocket ship. There's mm -hmm. so much, there's so many components, there's so much to it. And in order for this to happen, you got to do this. And then like, I get to a point where I get so frustrated where I'm like, you know what, I don't want to use this software anymore. It's, it's got the right concept. It's great for my business, but it's so hard to learn. It's going to mm -hmm. take me like a month in, in a academy <laughs> to just figure out how to use this. How, you know, what advice would you give to to people building uh, new applications where they can avoid getting to that to that point where it's like it's so yeah. cluttered with the stuff that yeah so that's a little bit product development and marketing so if if you sign up for a free trial and a really complicated piece of software that's a fail right so the if, if a software is going to be hard to use, it better have super high value for, for business, right? And so that that kind of, you know, is you need someone to help you with that. You can't just dump people in a free trial in that case, right? Um, and the other thing that you can do, right, if it's, you know, not a ridiculously complicated software, you know, you, you can use like onboarding tools, like within your software. So I don't know if you've ever like signed up for a new app and, you know, you get these little messages that said, you know, like here, you know, you start by clicking here and it kind of holds your hand and guides you through. Mm -hmm. So these onboarding tools are, you know, kind of a, a lifesaver <laughs> for SaaS products, right? Because you want to get, you want to be able to get people to the aha moment as quickly as possible. And the aha moment is when that light turns on in their head and they say, oh my God, I can't believe I can do this with software. Like, <laughs> and so whatever it is that your software does, even if it does like a million other things, get them to that aha moment as quickly as possible. You can do that with onboarding software. And if you're using, if you're, you know, marketing to different segments, you know, you have to, you have to um, segment your onboarding as well, right? If people are using your different software for different things, right? Then you, you have to try to, you ha you're going to have to segment your audience that way too. Yeah. What influence does the UI have as part of that onboarding? Um, yeah, it's definitely um, a big part of it. Um, so talking about UI, like and user, user, user experience for sure. So the, the onboarding helps to increase the user experience of the product, right? Getting them to that aha moment faster. Mm -hmm. um, like inter and of course, in terms of the user interface, it has to be easy and intuitive for sure. 
it's right. it's huge. Yeah. And what kind of things do you have to take into account when you're building a, a good UI? Um, well, you kind of want to like, there's, there's sort of traditional, really like developed standards in terms of how people interact with how we're used to interacting with a computer screen. So I, I always recommend like, don't reinvent that because that's what's going to make it hard for users to, to do. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's all kinds of like really great um, user uh, interface, like studies, like it's, it's not rocket science anymore. Like there's been so much research um, on this subject that that you don't you don't really need to do any A/B testing of oh if I put a button here if I put a button there that's been done right. a million times you don't need to do that anymore so yeah so if you do your research um, and of course you're going to have beta testers right so when you first do start to you get into that development phase you know you want to get some beta testers on board and to give you feedback on that kind of stuff too okay so do you offshore your product development or do you work with the local company and why? <laughs> I mean, I know the answer. Yeah, yeah. So offshore, um, it can work, like, but it's harder. It's I think those projects are more difficult to manage. So even sometimes like it's it the obvious benefit is I think to save money, right? But, you know, if you're going to save money, but you're still going to end up with a product that isn't what you want, that's that's going to suck. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you could if you're going to do offshore, you need to to work with a company that is like really good at project management and that can manage an offshore team. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So I know I know that was a challenge that we we face every day when we have um, startups coming to us saying, you know, I spent this much money with this company and it turns out, you know, it, it's an offshore company and I didn't get what I wanted. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with doing offshore development. However, I mean, we work with offshore teams all the time. Mm -hmm. I think one of the the things that people really need to think about is, you know, yes, you want to save costs, but that can cost you more down the road. So yeah. find a local partner, a local software development partner who can work with your offshore team and manage the project for you. Cause yeah. there are, there are very specific things in a, a product project life cycle that need to be followed in order for a project to be successful. One of the things I see like way too often is, you know, clients coming to us to take over a product that's been built offshore and, and we do it. It's not a problem. However, there is zero documentation and now it's going to cost that client, a little bit more for us to have to do the onboarding and really like go through the source code and figure out where everything is at and then start doing the documentation ourselves yeah. because without documentation how are you going to test you know you have no test cases you have no requirements and you know the the product started here well, here and now it's like here and and you know where do you go so yeah, I, I do like offshoring. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I do always think that you always need a local partner to manage it for you, especially if you don't have any experience and you just have an idea. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're the you know the visionary, um, then yeah, you need to team up with somebody who can you know take that and translate it into a piece of functional software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So my last question. Um, how do you market yourself as a leader in the industry? Ooh. <laughs> That's a good one, eh? Right, right. So I, I work in this industry and I want to be seen as like 
the leader I, and leader. I'm like, I'm like the go-to for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? You got to get out there and be seen is the best, the best thing. So um, PR is pretty brilliant for that. Uh, you know, if you can work with a, with a PR person to sort of help get your, your name out there, um, you got to get on, you know, speaking events are, are another way to do that. Um, you can also, you know, create your website, uh, as, you know, a, a go-to sort of resource for industry information as well. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can add that, that as well. Yeah. Winning awards. Also, also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I just thought about something else. Um, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about SEO? Because I know that SEO is search engine optimization. And that is a, a very key thing when you have, you know, when you're starting out and you want to get your name out there and you want to get people at least coming into your uh, website so that they can start, you know, signing up for those trials. Can you talk a little bit about SEO, the benefits and some of the things that a startup can do for SEO without spending a lot of money? Cause they're all on a tight budget, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, you're like, oh, crap. Question. oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So SEO is, is going to be super important for findability. Um, you know, and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. SEO is something that you work on, you know, daily, weekly, monthly to, to improve, you know, again and again and again. Um, when you're first getting started, right, you're probably going to want to do some uh, pay-per-click um, on certain keywords that someone might search uh, if they were looking for your product. It's just going to help you get that little bit more visibility in the beginning while you're working on on your SEO to to climb to climb the the search it's called the SERP the search engine ranking position so i mean ideally you want to get into like the top 10 and even better like the top 3 positions so when someone mm -hmm. types in a keyword you're you're there so it takes it takes a lot of work so you have to you know plan for those keywords before you build your website ideally you have to have your SEO strategy before before you you build your website and then as you build your website, you can, you know, you have to cater the content, um, your URL structure for those keywords that you want to rank for. Um, and so what we do, you know, what's helped us a lot is blogging um, in our company. So we design our blogs to be highly SEO optimized. So whatever keyword we want to improve ourselves on, we will, you know, typically have that in the title of the blog. And then we also have a linking strategy in our blogs that will link you to the landing page within our website um, that is relevant to that keyword. So, I mean, that's, that's like a bit in a nutshell, to get you going, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's SEO like on the page and then there's SEO that happens like off the page as well. And yeah, but the, it starts with knowing your keywords. So you might, uh, you might not be able to compete for a keyword, Mm -hmm. um, if you're just starting out, so say, I don't know, you make diamond rings, right? I want my website to show up when I type in diamond rings. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people in that space, right? Or yeah, yeah so so you have to kind of see like you can use uh, different you know keyword tools to see like how much it's going to cost you to compete for that that keyword. So you might have to come up with like different strategies. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds to me like this whole thing is an art that you have to really know really well before you build your million dollar unicorn, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. So with everything that we talked about today and, you know, um, one of the things that Converge does is we actually we build software applications and apps that can go along with software applications or that can be uh, standalone SaaS based. And we we work with the um, idea people, with the founders, CEOs um, to you know, document everything, um, help them build exactly to spec and what they're looking for. We help them uh, budget wise. So, you know, if they if they tell us they want to, you know, stick to something, we'll say, you know, we, we will usually say, why don't we build a, a minimal viable product uh, to get you out to the market and get you testing the market to see, you know, the interest level that's out there before you spend like all this money. We also work with, um, you know, our, our clients offshore teams in the sense of we can take over a project and make sure that uh, all of the development is, is done uh, according to the expectation of the client and then take over in the sense of making sure documentation is in place, that the product is being built to spec. And of course, we also have our, our own teams that build these applications uh, from scratch. Converge has been in business since uh, 1994. And our core business is obviously building enterprise solutions for our clients on the B2B sector. And then, of course, we work with entrepreneurs and, and startups who are doing the B2C, so business to, to client uh, business. And that's mostly focused around uh, apps. Uh, and um, we've been through this. We've built our own products, Menusano, which is a nutrition analysis software, and FieldEgo, which is a mobile inspection system for oil, gas, and mining companies and construction and so much so, so much more. Um, and so we've, we've had to build these products from, from scratch, create um, business plans around each one and marketing plans. And, you know, we've launched and failed and, and had to launch again and learn the whole process of, of marketing. So I think we've really um, become experts in the space uh, just based on our own learning, our own experience. And so I hope this talk sort of um, helps guide any entrepreneur or company that is looking to develop something further or develop something new from scratch. And if anyone has any questions, you can follow myself or Christine on LinkedIn, uh, DM us questions. We are happy to answer any questions that you may have and that we can help you with. Thank you, Christine, for coming on. This was great. I'm sure we're going to do lots more. <laughs> and uh, yeah, awesome. Um, okay, perfect. Thank you so much. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Between Two Servers. You can find us over on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. The links are in the description of this podcast. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to Between Two Servers, and we'll catch you next time.